Good evening and welcome to Night Colors Bigfoot Radio. You're here with your hostess, Lauren Smith, and tonight we have David Wilbanks on again. Um, the first time we had him on, we had a little minor emergency, so I am having him back on and I'm very excited to actually get to talk to him tonight. Uh, before we get into it, if you will please show some love for that hardworking Nightcallers crew and hit the thumbs up on whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. And don't forget to subscribe and ring that notification bell. That way you don't miss out on any more of my upcoming content. Um, a little bit of housekeeping before we get started. I just want to let you guys know that we had Michael Ferguson on last week. Last week we have David Wilbanks on this week. And next week we're going to have Dr. Abel Cunningham. So three weeks in a row, Nightcallers coming to you. Uh, you guys, I'm spoiling you guys for February, I guess. Um, and then I wanted to remind you guys that next month is the Oklahoma Bigfoot Symposium, the weekend of March 10th. And I will be presenting at that symposium. And so I'm really excited to go hang out with my guys and uh, talk about Little Footers, the next generation. And the following weekend at the end of spring break is the Night Colors Camp Out. So you guys can find more information about that on my Facebook page. Um, just look for the Night Colors Camp Out post and it has all the information. And uh, just shoot me a message or a comment on the post and let me know that you're going to be there. All right, I'm not going to take up any more of his time. I'm going to bring on David, and we will see what he has to say tonight. Hi, David. How are you doing tonight? Good. How are you, Lauren? Good. I'm happy to have you on the show and that you are actually here tonight. And <laughs> well, good to be here. Nobody's sick. Nobody has to go to the emergency room. Knock on wood. <laughs> yeah, knock on wood. Don't say that too loud. I know. Oh, my gosh. That was... That's, that's about how it goes, though, I've noticed. You know, it's always something. Um... So I'm glad to have you here, and you are actually uh, just a little bit south of me a couple hours in Oklahoma, so I mean... About an hour and a half. Yeah, Not so that's long. awesome. We've probably been researching in the same places quite a bit. Uh, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and I've actually been up uh, in your uh, part of the state a few times, too, uh, but, you know, the river bottoms down below uh, Grand Lake, I've been there several times. Really? Okay. One of my most compelling um, cases there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I've heard, I've heard that there are reports in that area, but I've never really talked to anybody that's had experiences there or heard, you know, that's um, researched there. So that's interesting. This I did not know that. This would have been back in uh, 2000. And it was a couple of off-duty police officers that were, well, one of them was sheriff, sheriff's deputy. The other was a, a Catoosa police officer. And they were camping down there and had a face-to-face -face encounter, both of them. Oh, my uh, gosh. I did not one. know that. And, yeah, on the first time that I went to that area, the one guy that was a deputy, he wouldn't even go back down there. And the other officer, he wouldn't stay past close to dark, you know. So Yeah. Uh, now, eventually, he, would, he did go back into that area several times with me, but... Um, yeah, that that was. I don't know about now. It's been a long time since I've been to that same place. Right, that's still pretty intense—a face-to-face sighting, you know. Um, yeah. And I, like I said, I've heard. I think BFRO maybe has some cases around that area, but I've never personally heard anyone tell me um, about a an experience or or sighting yeah, there. So I see in the chat there one of my buddies there, pyromedic. Mm -hmm. uh, he lives live and roam in those parts they're still there yeah 
I got to meet Pyro at last year's Bigfoot Symposium for the first time. Um, I saw this nice looking gentleman sitting at the table and my son and I went to go sit and eat our um, walking, or I think we had fish tacos or something. We went and sat there. I said, well, can we sit here? And he's like, yeah, sat there and talked to him for a minute. And finally he fesses up who he is. And I'm like, oh my God, like you're in my chat all the time. It's so great to finally meet you. Um, that's the one thing I love about going to these events is the people that I get to meet. It's pretty awesome. Yeah. It can be fun. Yeah, they they uh, they can be very fun sometimes. Um, so that's awesome. So how did you get into you we, before the show? We were talking about your long tenure in Bigfoot research. Um, what got you into the topic? Oh, it's been my whole life, and anyone in chat or been watching has seen me before knows knows this story. But basically, uh, uh, back in the late '60s, mid '60s, my mother worked for a veterinarian. And uh, he was interested in the Bigfoot uh, subject way back there. And he had actually contacted Roger Patterson and uh, talked to him about maybe being able to go on one expedition with him or something. It never worked out, but he did get a book from Roger, uh, the one that he wrote called The Abominable Snowmen in America Really Exist. And every time we was over at their house, and I'm a little bitty kid, man. I would just eat that book alive, you know, just yeah. love it. And so that was the interest in it. Uh, and growing up, you know, anytime I could get my hands on a book about the subject or a TV show about it, I was watching it. But, you know, flat, fast forward to my mid, mid-20s, I started, you know, officially kind of going out and collecting uh, reports and such. That would have been back in like the mid-1990s. And, you know, I had a, I was actually a contact for the BFRO in Oklahoma very briefly, but Mm -hmm. Got to see, I mean, the casino footage thing. I was one of the, okay. I was actually the first investigator on the scene on that. Mm -hmm. uh, followed up by uh, Roger Roberts, you know, who got there later on. But I got to yeah. see that video and all that. So that was really neat. That is really awesome. That one's pretty infamous here. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, go ahead, like, can you go ahead and tell a little bit about that and what your initial thoughts were when you saw it? Just because I know that not everybody is from Oklahoma and, and it might not right. mean anything to them like it does well, to us. Funny thing about that video, uh, the things that I was reading about it oh, two or three years ago, whenever I started my YouTube channel, things that I was seeing about that on the internet that people were claiming were not what I saw. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to make a YouTube video on a channel and I'm just going to explain what I saw there. Well, uh, I started having fun with it and I'm still doing videos, you know, when I get a chance. But um, at that time, like I said, I was a, a contact uh, for the BFRO and I got an email um, 20 some years ago. But it was from Matt Moneymaker on the deal saying that there was a uh, uh, on a reservation up there in western Oklahoma. Supposedly they, there was a Bigfoot up there. And at first I didn't really... Uh, First thing I said to him is like, I'm not driving all the way over there. That's on the prairie. There's not, there's no coverage, you know, for something like that. And then he said, but they say they've got it on surveillance video. So I said, I'm, I'm on my way. I want to see this, you know? So I got there about mid afternoon and this was late summer. It would have been in, uh, I believe it was August because my, my son who's grown up now, he was about to start kindergarten. So it would have been, you know, about that time, um, drive up there, meet, meet with one of the, 
uh, people that you know turned the report in to the BFRO, showed me around and everything. And then later on, about dark, uh, uh, Roger Roberts, who he was, I call him a card carrying member of the BFRO because he, mm -hmm. he was the real BFRO guy. I was just kind of a contact. Mm -hmm. He arrived there with a friend of his. I do not remember the name of his friend. Friend's not a Bigfoot guy. He was just, you know, a friend of Roger's. But mm -hmm. uh, anyway, they led us into the security room uh, there, and they played that video for us. Now, what we saw uh, was only a few seconds. It wasn't, you know, like you know, a long time. I, if I'm guessing how long what we saw was, probably probably no more than 10 seconds or whatever. And what, what you first see is it's a little bit of a, a glow sort of off to the, what would be the north at the edge of the parking lot. And what that was, this is the only part of the story me and Roger's a little bit different on is our perception mm -hmm. of what that glow was. He right. thought it was eye shine. I perceived that it was maybe the street lamps reflecting off the top of his head. Okay. But that's the first thing you notice. And then as it comes into frame, now there was a, uh, um, if we meet sometime, I'll show you the picture of the uh, grease trap that it was, but there was yeah. a uh, grease trap there, which, you know, you call it a dumpster because basically it's a dumpster, but in the middle of the top of it, there's a smaller square lid that they would raise up with the excess, you know, cooking grease in. And there was a light pole over the, the grease trap that kind of went up and bent over it like this. So as it got close to the grease trap, it materialized into view. Mm -hmm. not, not materialized, not in a supernatural way. It just came into view. Under it the came light. into focus, yeah. It came into focus there. Mm -hmm. it takes a couple of steps, leans over, places its hands like toward the uh, that. And that's where it stopped. That's that's what we saw. Now we were able to go out there because it was standing directly underneath that that lamp. It bends mm -hmm. over, and the bulb is a about 10 foot off the ground and we were able to measure up that pole and even in that slightly you know the Sasquatch they kind of walk in a slightly leaning forward manner mm -hmm. even at that height we was able to ascertain that was nine and a half feet tall That's... and I still remember looking over at Roger when we were watching that and saying wow they really are real <laughs> see up to that point yeah. it was just an interesting mystery mm -hmm. uh, and um, I, I believe that there was, you know, I was probably about in the 80% category that there's probably something really to this just because of the number of people that were checking mm -hmm. uh, into it. But right then it's like going, okay, nine and a half foot tall, that's not somebody in a monkey suit. Now, yeah. in, in another thing, the, the build of the creature, you couldn't tell what color it was because the, you know, the night vision, uh, or whatever the surveillance is kind of a grayish look it's not not in color right uh, you could tell it was it was dark dark in color um, covered in hair but it wasn't real bulky as far as like see patty she's kind of you know pretty hefty gal. yeah uh, yeah <laughs> <laughs> there's no other way to describe her she's she's she's, she's thick, thick you know? <laughs> anyway yeah. uh, uh this creature was very tall and kind of lanky. And okay. in the description I've always used to describe it, I said, take a muscular, like, NBA player, mm -hmm. hair, and you've kind of got that. Right. Feel. 
That's what my mom used to describe her first sighting also. She said it was like an NBA player, but more muscular, more filled out, but still lanky. Yeah. Yeah. Not, no, not, I'm not saying lanky like skinny. It wasn't. Right, skinny. right. But long-limbed. But like so, you know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's pretty awesome that you were one of the first on scene for that one. You know, that's the, that's an infamous. You were the first. Yeah, that one's pretty infamous. So that's whatever that matters. But <laughs> no, I mean, it's pretty exciting. It does. Um, yeah, there. You know, I um, I don't know what happened in the video. Everybody asked me, "Well, if that really exists, then where is it?" And it's like, yeah, I mean, it's a it for whatever reason, which not long after that word that got out about it and people were really trespassing and mm -hmm. kind of making a nuisance of themselves up there. So they, they shut down, uh, people coming in there, just running amok, you know, Yeah, yeah. I, who can blame them? You know, if you're showing, if people are showing up at the casino, not to spend money, but to say, Hey, where's the Bigfoot? You know, that's, mm -hmm. that's business, you know? yeah. but I, I feel very fortunate to be one of, one of very few that's actually, uh, seen that video absolutely absolutely like i said it's infamous um for oklahomans especially for oklahoma researchers that's our patty film basically um so that's not as good a quality as like patty no definitely not but it's but, it's something um, of substance that we have which is but being able exciting. to see it and what I, what i got to see and, and and roger as well uh was not a copy of a copy that somebody showed us later Right. We saw it in the casino right off raw footage, right off of their stuff, you know. Mm -hmm. And and I've heard other people describe seeing different things. Uh, like one report I heard said that, well, it ran up to this dumpster, opened it up, grabbed some trash, and ran off with it. And I said, well, if there's a video there showing that, there's more than one video because that's mm -hmm. not what I saw. Right. I, I've heard that report or that rumor too, I guess, of the trash thing, but um, the one and, that rings. You know, maybe there is, but it's the one that that was I the and, trap. and the lodger saw. It was it was not that. Right, right. Um, so you were um, eventually you started your own website. Uh, about ninety nine, maybe two thousand. So what I'll prompted you to do that? Site. I'm sorry. What prompted you to do that? I'm sorry. I don't even remember now. I just thought it, you know, the internet was still relatively new. Mm -hmm. You know, at, at that time you had, of course, at that time, the BFRO website was the most comprehensive mm -hmm. uh, database there. And Bobby Short, she had a good one. Mm -hmm. uh, oh, she is, right? Yeah. Yes, I do. She was. I know. And I was, I, I yes. Had spoken with her in person over the phone several times to get advice mm -hmm. on the website and stuff. And there, there's a whole, uh, another deal there too. She had a good website. Mm -hmm. There were some that were just silly, you know, but mm -hmm. anyway, I just thought, you know what? People are sending me these, these reports. I'm investing mm -hmm. in people. And I thought, well, I'm going to make me a website too, you know? So, yeah. Um, and after Bigfoot Bill, uh, this little dial-up internet service here in town that I was going through, they said, hey, man, you, we got to do something different because you're getting so many views. You're about to crash our stuff. I'm like, oh, oh my gosh. You know? and they're yeah. like, you should be making some money off that. Of course, that time I'm like, 
how you make money on that. So, well, you got to run ads and this and that and this and that. And I, and I never did, you know. Yeah. But, uh, of course, at that time, uh, just the novelty of the internet itself. You know? mm-hmm. Yeah, I had that. I had that website up for three or four years, maybe. But uh, but I'll, I'll tell you, after Bigfoot Bill, uh, the nature of the contacts that I was getting was starting to get weird. Really? Because before, when it was just my website, mm-hmm. sincere people that saw something that disturbed them, sending me their report. After mm-hmm. Bigfoot Bill, I started getting contacted by some nutty people. <laughs> yeah. It got to the point where I'm like, you know, this... The website thing's just not fun anymore. Oh, so that well, down and began just doing my own thing with with well, a good friend of mine uh, named Brian Baker. Uh, he and I did a, do a, still do a lot of uh, trips to the Carnation Mountains and stuff, and we started doing that back in um, 2002, I believe, is when we started mm-hmm. really pursuing that. I gotcha. Um, so how, how did the, um, cause I'm assuming you have your own YouTube channel. Um, so I'm assuming that you also get traffic to that YouTube channel and comments and messages. Do, yeah. are you getting kind of the same people contacting you that contacted you through the website or are you getting more? Uh, well, of course, websites a long time ago, very few mm-hmm. people I run into now I even remember it. Um, but as far as, uh, are you talking about nutty people and stuff? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. People well, without their theories and not ideas. very many. And, and I don't, you know, I'm not talking about people having theories. I think nutty. I, I want to hear all of them. Right. You know, that's fine. I'm, I'm talking about questionable type people, but yeah, I mean, you know, everybody gets trolls and stuff, but I just don't deal with them. Mm-hmm. Like I remember having a conversation with uh, Carrie Arnold one time about that. I said, how do you deal with trolls? He goes, I don't, I don't have time for idiots. Yeah. I, no, that's them. a good deal. So I just don't, uh, um, I do the YouTube channel for fun and information. Mm-hmm. It's being trolled and stuff. That's not fun. No. <laughs> you know, so I just don't, no. I don't uh, mess with people. But I've got a lot of this, uh, regular uh, folks that uh, kind of keep in contact with mm-hmm. me. i got good friend uh up in massachusetts he's got a youtube channel called the no such thing podcast uh cornell and he's actually been down here a couple of times and uh been to the mountains with me uh, two or three times and then uh will uh, uh will star mysteries has a youtube uh, channel he does a lot of especially a lot of historical like uh talking on there and stuff and he came down uh last october and we had a lot of movement and vocalization and something actually tossed a rock into our camp and uh, he was there got to witness that and i was just like wow that is so neat that is awesome that's awesome i love whenever you get someone that witnesses it with you it just you know yeah just uh and of course that's the goal I don't really do this to try to convince anybody. Mm-hmm. It, it's it's for me. I enjoy it, and if somebody else uh, gets something out of it, you know that's that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So Bigfootville. Mm-hmm. 
So when you were approached to do that, where were you in your research at that time? Had you had an experience already? Um, Let's see. No. Wait, wait a minute. Yes, because the Bigfootville was after the uh, uh, casino footage and all those investigations up to that point. But as far as a personal sighting or something like that, no, at that time I had no idea. I've just been collecting other people's stuff and, and, and investigating that. But okay. I mean, first contact was an email uh, saying, hey, I'm a, I wish I still had a copy of it, but Bruce Burgess, he's a documentary filmmaker, he's from the UK, sent me an email and I um, totally blew it off. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you are. You know, because I already had the, and it was through the website, and I thought, well, this is just one of those, you know, people mm -hmm. trying to say something there. Because I'd already had one guy that had been telling me he had killed a Bigfoot and wanted me to meet him somewhere and show her the body. And it, that got really weird. And I'm like, what? And you come alone. And I'm like, yeah, that's not going to happen. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, so I thought it was something like that. But then he kept emailing me, and, and I, checked out his names like oh he is real and mm -hmm. I talked to him and he uh he came came to Oklahoma by himself uh, first just to meet with me and I introduced him uh, to some people I, I got in touch with he said you know other people around there that might like to be a part of it and I said well I can talk to him um, a friend of mine Shelly Harris she she took part in it Tim Harjo big Native American guy that it's in it, which sadly he passed away a little over a year ago. Him and his son Kajot uh, were a big part in it. But anyway, he Bruce came down the first time. It was in, I believe, September of uh, 2000, I believe, or 2001. No, it, it was in 2001. Um, and met with me. I introduced him to some people, and then I just took him on a drive. We went all the way to the southeast corner of the state and mm -hmm. followed all the way to the northeast corner of the state. So uh, we did that road trip. He yeah. got back on the plane and then he came back with a film crew in late November. And we, people are always saying, well, where, what part of the state did you film that in? I said, um, <laughs> well, <laughs> the first one was uh, actually not far from Ada, about mm -hmm. um, uh, down around south of Calvin off Highway 75. Uh, we filmed part of it there. Then we went to Antlers mm -hmm. and filmed uh, some of it there. And then we went to Broken Bow, um, did some filming there. Then went north to into the Kaimishi Mountains. I had a cabin that uh, Bruce had rented there. We shot there. Then we went to Smithville and then on up to um, uh, Disney and shot shot a good section of it there in the river bottoms down below Grand Lake, which is nice. where uh, yeah. two officers would have their face-to-face uh, -face encounter. And then went from there <laughs> all the way to Weewoka, Oklahoma. Oh, my gosh. The, I was not in that part. Mm -hmm. I was there for just a little bit because mm -hmm. that was uh, Tim Harjo was talking to a Seminole tribal elder. They were sitting around the fire, and I was off to the side. And it was really funny because uh, – Martin, one of the cameramen, uh, was um, he had, it was dark at this time, and he set his camera with night vision in a on a branch on a cedar tree there, small, and he was 
kneeling down talking to it. And part of that's in the show too. But this little boy, I guess, saw him there and he walked up to us. He said, hey, there's a white guy over there talking to a tree. <laughs> oh my God! Oh. <laughs> was in the dark. All he could see was Martin is kneeling down talking. Yeah, it looked like he was talking to the tree. But he didn't see the camera. So, anyway, at that point there, I asked Bruce. I said, "Hey, do you need me for anything else? I am beat." Mm-hmm. And at that point, I mean, we woke us only about thirty minutes from my house. Uh, so he's like, "No, no, we're we're through. This is this is the last thing we're filming." So I said, "Well, I'm going home, and I'm going to crash." So. Yeah. That was anybody. Well, we were on the road for a, I'd say a full week anyway. That yeah. sounds like a pretty awesome experience. It, it was very fun. I mean, it sounds like a pretty awesome experience. I always wonder if people um, go through the documentary experience and how they really feel about it afterwards. But you made it sound like a big road trip and you get to squatch well, along the way, which is pretty exciting. Let me put it this way. I was, I was locked lot younger then very naive about the thing and i'll just say i was very lucky because i've seen a lot of documentary quote documentaries where they make the person they're talking to look like a complete idiot yeah i remember i told bruce hey there's buddy mark up there live wire um Mm -hmm. anyway what was i saying i lost my train of thought ah the people being taken for a ride um, oh, on yeah, documentaries, yeah. definitely. I, I told Bruce uh, at the time, I said, look, here's the only thing I ask of you. I said, do not purposely make me or anyone I introduce you to look like an idiot because I know <laughs> these people, they're friends of mine. And he did, you know. So yeah. um, with that being said, if Bruce wanted to work again in the future, I, mm-hmm. I would have reservations. He showed good character. That's uh, good. Only, and there for the people here that's seen uh, the Bigfootville documentary, the only thing in there that I wish that they had not done, I understand they did it for effect, but there's the part where uh, Dan Belda, he's the, the police officer, shoots his pistol into the woods a couple of times. And I've spent the last 20 years since then explaining to people he was not shooting at anything. When him and the other officer had had their uh, encounter, they had been target practicing earlier in the evening. And mm-hmm. there was a firm, basically a big mound of dirt there that you can't see. And Bruce asked him, would you mind shooting a couple of rounds into that force? He said, sure. You know, and he did. Of course, the way it's edited in, it doesn't say it, but somebody watching it might get the impression that... Mm-hmm. Oh, he's under siege or something. Yeah, uh, that answers Alan's question in the chat. Um, he said, when y'all were in the riverbank, what was the officer shooting at? So, yeah, Absolutely thank you for nothing that. and no one or no thing was ever in any danger down there. Yeah. So. Thank uh, you for answering that. <laughs> not at all. Um, okay, so let me... We are going to, we're going to branch out from Bigfoot for just a second and then we'll snap back to it. Pyro knows that I have no love for orbs. Um, and he asked me to ask you about your orb experience. Well, if that's okay. for If that's what it was, I know. Same here. <laughs> well, yeah, for all intents and purposes, that's what it is. I mean, mm-hmm. yes, there are lights in the woods sometimes. It's what are they? But is, this is witnessed by me and another uh uh, Pete, uh, Pete Buffalo head. He was one of the 
uh, speakers at at Honeybee last year too. And he and I and Shelly Covington, Montana, uh, shared the cabin together. Mm-hmm. You know, at that time. So we, Shelly, uh, do you know Shelly? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. she was she was on the back porch of the cabin working on her uh, uh, DNA kit deals that she talks a lot about in her deal. And I was down there looking at the gate and I could see there's like two or three of these little lights moving at the edge of the woods. I said, Pete, you see that? He said, yeah, I see that. And I'm like, well, that's pretty cool. So I'm thinking to myself, and this is exactly what I think I was seeing, is what kind of uh, atmospheric phenomenon am I looking at that is causing this? Because right. well, last year was very dry. Mm-hmm. Right. Pete saw it too, so I thought, I'm trying to get closer to them. You can't you don't get close? They either disappear, drift yeah. further in the woods. And Pete, I still remember Pete. He goes, David, don't follow those. Now this this is a case of two people seeing the exact same thing, but having totally different perceptions of what they're seeing. Mm-hmm. I told Pete, I said, Pete, you know I'm going to follow them, but why shouldn't I? He goes, Those are the little people. He said they'll lead you off into the woods and get you lost. I, I'm mm-hmm. there. Well, I don't need any help getting lost, but anyway, but uh, anyway, that's me. I, I still think that's what it was, some kind of atmospheric phenomenon. It wasn't mm-hmm. a lot of bugs, but uh, I'd try to get closer to them walking down this, and they just kind of were gone after a little bit. But yeah. that, that's the only time I've seen uh, anything that um, I could say is was an orb. You know, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm a, pretty non-superstitious person you know I, so, I mean whatever they are that's my perception of it right yeah I um pyro make he's laughing because I had an orb experience or whatever it actually was and I was plum pissed off about it because I was there to look for Bigfoot and I didn't want I didn't want to deal with some orbs like I was there to you know I was out in the middle of nowhere and like I just I was I was pissed and um I wish that my research partner at the time had been able to turn around and see it and verify it with me, but uh, it yeah. disappeared before I mean, he they were They were kind of a greenish-white type of look, kind of like mm-hmm. a lightning bug would be, but right. just bigger. I, I would say they were probably about the size of a golf ball or something, mm-hmm. not, like, not like huge. Nothing scary, it was just curious. Mine, uh, were, mine were pale blue. Uh, and... Um, it, it was too pale blue to be the moonlight reflecting on a leaf, which is what I told myself it was for a while there until I, until it disappeared. But, um, it was too round, too big. It was, it was, um, yeah, they, definitely, you know, I don't, I don't know what it, I don't know well, what it was. I mean, they're definitely there. I mean, people see them or they call them ghost lights, will of the wisp. Mm-hmm. Will uh, of the wisp. Yeah. That. Um, I mean, who knows? I don't, I don't discredit uh, the paranormal and stuff. Pyro. What are you talking about? <laughs> he's just being a little turd today. Um, there was an episode in which I had something in my studio with me. And um, I, I don't know if it was dust balls or orbs or but they wouldn't leave me alone and um they were zooming around my head you know and i just this was anyway. out you were out on one of your outings 
Oh no, this was in my studio in here and um, it was on film. I turned it into a YouTube video to, it's called Orba Palooza. If you guys want to go watch me freak really? out over all these little things like flying around my head and having a great time at my expense. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think I'm going to tell myself they were uh, dust balls or dust motes. Um, but a, a friend of mine who does believe in the Fae, um, she advised me to put put rocks in my uh, in my studio and little pots of honey to appease them. And I was like, you know what? If if I have something in there, whether I believe in it or not, I was like, I'll go ahead and like if they will leave me and my equipment alone, that's fine. Um, it was a good time though. It was pretty there funny. There were gremlins that's that's what i call them when my machines act up like they were and um after i put the honey in there i've, I've never had another issue in that studio so so carson says pale blue orbs mean you will find love very far good <laughs> it took a while but i did so thank you carson so that what, is what, what do the greenish ones mean <laughs> i know are they like a green-eyed monster are they it, you know it's the perception is such a big thing even with the bigfoot absolutely yeah. uh, because we're influenced by our upbringings and all that stuff mm -hmm. on all these things like me looking at it i'm thinking atmospheric phenomena my friend pete see it and he relates it to you know his uh, cultural folklore and stuff i'm not mm -hmm. going to tell it wrong i can be right wrong, you know? yeah but uh yeah, Pyro's really got you in his sights. Tonight. He's tearing me apart over here. <laughs> I love him, though. He has, that person has some incredible pictures. Incredible. And I see a I lot of pictures. Uh, no, uh, he does have orb uh, photos as no, well. But um, um, but he, uh, he, he shared them with me at the symposium. And, you know, I see a lot of pictures that people share with me. And um, usually my responses oh that is interesting how you know wow um but his really were really they were some of the most compelling pictures that i've seen um so i was really thankful that he shared those with me but um that's you know perception like you said um i had a gentleman he is he's an amazing individual he basically hikes like nine months out of the year he'll go off and do the washita trail and um just go off and disappear and live in the woods and he came up and he had showed me a picture that he got on a trail cam of his. And I felt so bad because he thought it was a Bigfoot face and shoulder and arm and just this. And he said, do you see it? Do you see the muscle? And it's turning. And I was just like, crap, I'm about to have to like bust this man's dreams. I was like, I, I do see what you are uh, pointing out. However, I, I just want to show you this. I said, if you look, that's a beak and an eye. I said, that's, that's the head of a bird and it's up close to the frame. So it, it, but perception, it looks like a Bigfoot if that's what, you know, and it just, he was like, oh, okay. Well, I, I got to get back to my booth. So I'll be back later. And I was just like, oh my gosh, like I've lost this man as a friend out of my life forever. And I was just, I was very sad, but I respected him too much to let him show that picture to anyone else with that and so finally he came back over and he was fine and he said he appreciated my honesty but i i felt awful but that's what he that's what he saw you know that was his perception of it well we got the explanation on the green orbs now green orbs mean healing is needed by you or someone close physically or mentally the orbs can offer this healing or 
born of need? Well, I spend a lot of times looking for a mythical hairy monster in the woods. So maybe <laughs> mentally. <you think>. No. <laughs> I know. Oh my gosh. You're I'm not, I'm not mental. I've been tested. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't because I'm too scared of what it's going to say. Um, you know, that's something that, um, you know, the paranormal and um, people are kind of getting out more out there with theories and stuff and, and other people are just, they come down on them very hard. And yeah. I understand being skeptic and scientific and analytical. And I, I agree with that completely. But I think that shutting people down just because they have a theory that doesn't really fit with yours. First of all, we're doing a disservice to ourselves and the, the mystery. But also, um, I, I just, <laughs> we hunt for this mythical creature in the woods that nobody can get a picture of. Nobody can find a body. Um, we all go out in the woods looking for this and truly believe it exists. So let's just, let's just open our minds a little and be a little bit nicer to each other about it because I, yeah, we're not I'm, perfect. I'm, people think I'm not real overly opinionated just because I'm not mean about stuff. Mm -hmm. I'm very opinionated about stuff. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I try to base my opinions on evidence or such that I have found or researched myself, looked into um, big thing people. And it's inevitable now, wherever you're at talking about Bigfoot or whatever, there will be someone there says, what about dog man? Yes. Somebody asked me at, at home that day, I think it was home that might've been Jefferson. So what do you mm -hmm. think about dog man? I said, I don't think about him at all. Yeah. You know, I've never, uh, and I don't mean that, and I've taken reports of people that believe that they saw something like that. Mm -hmm. Personally, I've never found any evidence of anything like that. Do you think it's just a snouted Bigfoot? No. Or a species of Bigfoot that has a different... No. I have no idea. But here, here's what I'll say. If there is such a thing as what people are describing as a dog mm -hmm. man, my opinion is that that would fit more in the paranormal. Right. Because I don't believe that something like that is a naturally occurring biological entity. Have you ever heard of reports of snouted Bigfoot? Recently. But now here, here's the thing, too. You, We talked a little bit before the show. You've been doing this a long time. Mm -hmm. I've been doing this a long time. Notice the progression over the years about... there's such a wide range of what people are describing these days, as opposed to take stick structures. Okay. Mm -hmm. yeah. Back in the day, a supposed strict, but stick structure, I can't even talk tonight. Um, and I don't drink, I promise. Um, <laughs> <Me> anyway, <laughs> a stick or a tree usually was one that had been bent over, twisted, mm -hmm. limbs, maybe raked down in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Now, it's almost like Bigfoot plays with Lincoln Lodge or something. Yeah. So how do you address that? I think all of those are fake. Not necessarily what, but I took a picture one time that I showed around of a really elaborate looking structure. Mm -hmm. like, that's that's Bigfoot. And I said, do you know where I took that? I said, why? So that's a city parking head. Mm -hmm. Obviously made by persons. So have I found structures that I think there's a possibility that's what it is. Yes. But uh, what I kind of look into is if I'm in a place where there's trails and stuff and it's something there 
that a human could easily do. I generally say a human did that, unless mm -hmm. there's other evidence around right. such structure that leads me to that. Okay. Absolutely. Now, uh, Livewire, who, who was in the chat earlier, I very compelling. Uh, I, I checked into reports on his property there, and on this trail uh, through the woods behind their house where there was footprints and other evidence plus that and uh and i've got a picture of this limb in my in my book uh, that i took it about seven foot off the ground and no tree damaged any other tree there something had taken a branch about so big around and just twisted it and broke it over now that made me think you know that maybe something to that you know? mm -hmm. there was other evidence around it so i, I took that I took pictures of that as, a, as something of interest. Right. So. Yeah, I, I, I generally do the same thing just because um, things have changed so much over the years. You know, I talk about when my mom first started researching and taking me out with her tree knocks and vocals. If you were to go out and knock on a tree or do a whoop, you would get a response now you're not going to get a response. Generally, you're not going to get a response. Um, basically, if you knock, you're letting them know you're there. They know it's you. And if you do a vocal, they, again, they know it's a human. And sometimes they might respond. I don't know if they're feeling froggy, but generally you don't get you don't get the same responses you would have 20 years ago whenever we first started this. Um, yeah, so what you study, you also change. Yeah. To a point now, I still occasionally do get an answer to a knock or something. Mm -hmm. Now, I mentioned my, my friend from uh, uh, Massachusetts, Cornell, that come down. Uh, one of the nights that he was there, we were hearing uh, wood knocks off to one side of our camp mm -hmm. and down in the creek bottom, something was knocking rocks together. Rock clacking is so uh, I've seen more success with rock clacking than I have tree knocks in later years, in more recent years. But that wasn't an answer to us doing it at that time. Now, I right. had to be down there camping by myself and stuff. Now, do I think anybody going out there, like on a Finding Bigfoot, where they, uh, <laughs> if they get an answer to that, I don't think they're fooling anybody. Right, right. Maybe just like them going like silly human, they think they're sounding like us. Let's yell mm -hmm. back. Yeah. I think we're entertainment. It's in their mind. Usually the only response I get in more recent years is from the coyotes. And um, in my experience, the Bigfoot and the coyotes, usually there's one weird whoop right before the coyotes start up. And I mean a split second before the coyotes sound off. So usually if I can get the coyotes to sound off, I call it, you know, mild success because there's usually something weird in there with it. But um, I, I just last, last uh, about a year a couple of years ago, a guy down in the Kamishi Mountains down there, close to Worcester, Worcester Lake mm -hmm. down there, yes. he had the uh, same experience. Something let out that weird vocalization and then just right on top of it, the coyotes started mm -hmm. up. Yeah. So. Um, around Falk, actually, they're, they have the weirdest vocals around there and rumor is that it's the red wolf has hybridized with the coyotes and um that that's how the red wolf you know has kept from going extinct in that area and all this um we talked to the game wardens down there and they said if you get vocals or if you get a picture of it to give it to them because they're trying to 
prove that it's not actually gone from that area. But, um, but they have the weird, when I first heard it, I was laying in my tent and of course it's that one time that I walked out of the door without recording equipment of any kind, made it all the way to Falk six hours from my house and was laying there just kicking myself because this wailing was happening with the coyotes. And I was just like, oh my God, like that's a Bigfoot that has, oh my gosh. I was so excited, had no recording equipment. I was so upset. Um, and then every time I've gone back, I've heard the same thing. And yeah. I've been told that it was the red wolf. So, or yeah. supposed the to be. Is, the red wolf is so close to a coyote. Mm -hmm. That's why, you know, a lot of people don't realize we're not talking like something the size of a timber wolf here. Right. Yeah. It's you know, they are, smaller. They're very close, very close. And they're, uh, I was seeing some show here the other night where uh, an area that they thought there wasn't any, they're starting to see them again. So yeah, that, that's exciting. You know, and I hope it really you, is. To use this word, I hope as people we've evolved to the point here that we don't just go kill everything that we don't understand. I mean, you know, we can hope. Europe as Europeans, we were horrible. Ooh, there's something really rare. Let's kill it. Right. You know, yeah. Like I have. I mean, when I go out in the woods and stuff, camp said, "Yeah, I carry a sidearm." It's Mm -hmm. I wouldn't kill a Bigfoot. I said, this isn't for a Bigfoot. This is if some crackhead comes up at the camp with ill intent, you know, yeah. not yeah. worried about Bigfoot getting after. No, no. I talked about that on, uh, on encrypted encounters or encrypted connections um, the other night and beastly theories. I said, you know, it's, it's, it's not Bigfoot. Um, it's hogs, mountain lions, you know, coyotes, stuff like that. I said, but mostly it's meth heads. I'll be completely honest. I am terrified of someone coming into my camp or near my camp up to no good. And uh, if it's me or them, sorry, I got babies at home. Y'all, y'all ain't gonna make it. That's right. how it goes. Right. There's one time and this was about three years ago, I guess I had pulled into a really, you know, way back there area. And uh, I was getting my campfire ready. It was still daylight. I was just making the hit. And I looked up and a white pickup pulled up right outside of camp. There's mm -hmm. three guys in it. And I had a sidearm. They couldn't see it from the way I was sitting there. And I, I was still a, a police officer at the time. And I had the same weapon. But anyway, I thought, well, they're sitting there staring at me. I could tell they were sizing me up. You know? mm -hmm. And I just thought, well, I'm going to go say hi. So I stood up, started walking towards them. Like they could clearly see I was armed. And they backed up and left, you know. Well, that tells me there. I've been out there before and people come up and it'd be somebody scouting out for a place to deer hunt later. And they're always, right. hey, how you doing? You know, these yeah. people definitely uh, yeah. uh, seeing if I would be an easy person to rob or something. Yeah. It's the ones that don't interact and do the real slow drive by, pull up, turn around. Like I, uh, my mom, she laughed at me. We were in Boykin Springs in, in around Lufkin, Texas. And um, I, this man, my mom and my kids and, and I were camping. We were setting up camp and this man came and put his backpack and his stuff on this picnic table right next to ours. The entire campground was empty and he put his stuff right next to ours. Now maybe he was lonely, maybe he was friendly. I didn't care. So I put my, I tucked my shirt in behind my gun and I was holding a machete and I watched him drive by, just stared at him. And my mom's like, 
Lauren. And, and he comes back, gets his backpack and he left. He never came back. And she's like, you scared that man to death. And I was like, and I was like him or me. Like, I mean, I, I looked like a serial killer. I know I did, but I don't set up that close to these women and children. And if you felt like you needed to protect us, then you should have been friendly and said, Hey, not just put your backpack there and left. Like, no. He might have got home and told his wife, said, I'm never camping again. <laughs> Probably not. Business and this crazy woman with a machete and a pistol. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I did. I made eye contact the entire time he drove by. Um, but I mean, that's kind of how us women, especially, we have to. We have to make sure that they know that that we are looking at them and that we will not hesitate to defend ourselves. Um, I actually had that. I've had that situation at camp before, again, with my mom. Um, this man came up and he was asking us about this campsite and all of this. And I was like, no, yes, no. I was like, I'm sorry, we don't know anything about that campsite. And I just kept looking at him like, please go. And my mom was like, Lauren, she was like, you are a bitch to him. And I'm like, mother, you were friendly and about to give him a hug. We don't know who that man is. He could come back and do something bad to us. Like, yeah. you know, I'm, I was raised to be respectful and very friendly and outgoing. And I, I get that, but... I also listened to a lot of murder documentaries. Okay. Like a lot. Yeah, that, uh, now, of course, the, the area that I go to most of the time now is uh, deeper in from a area that I've previously gone, but it's hard to get to. And if it's been raining excessively, you're not going to get that far in. Mm -hmm. uh, but nobody's going to sneak up on you there. If you go over the ridge, one right. way or the other, it's miles anywhere. Mm -hmm. There's nothing coming in. You've got to go about a half mile of it up this extremely rugged, rocky hill. Yeah, it you're going to hear them way off. Yeah, um, there's a there's an area that that I know of like that, and um, they ain't getting in there quick or getting out of there quick. So right. Um, yeah, probably talking about the same area, but yeah, there's yeah, we uh... may, never know. <laughs> the, the thing is, the areas that I'm the area I'm describing is hundreds of places like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, so, there are, are, especially in that area in the southeast Oklahoma, especially there's just yeah, there's some good places. Um, closer you get to the Arkansas line, seems like the better places there are. Um, yeah. All right, so we have a few questions from the chat that I'm going to run through you real quick. Okay. Um, from Carson, David, have you ever been afraid during your encounters, like fear of physical harm? From a Sasquatch? No. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing. No, uh, not not from, from that. Now, I've been in some places, and generally, you know, I camp a lot by myself, and I tend to trust my gut. I've been in an area before, and... This was just, uh, this was last year and somebody had burned off a lot of the underbrush there and I was hearing movement and stuff outside of camp and it, it could have been something else, but for some reason that particular time kind of gave me the creeps and I don't get the creeps. Uh, people yeah. that go in the woods with me will tell you the same thing. Um, I'm not a brave person, but I'm acquainted with the woods enough. I'm not really that worried about it, you know? Mm -hmm. Watch where you step. Watch where you put your hand. Don't get snake bit. That's the exactly. Bear, I've seen a black bear twice down there in southeast Oklahoma when I'm out camping. Both mm -hmm. times were they were a little bit distant. When they saw me, they went the other direction. Which real quick. Yeah. I to do. Um, mm -hmm. Now I have uh, 
guy named John Hodges uh, took me to an area uh, there by uh, on the other side of Rattan on, on Little River where him mm-hmm. and his wife had had a, a possible encounter. And he and I were walking and we spooked up a, a wild hog. And those are generally, if a, if a hog's got a way to get away, they go the other way, but they're so unpredictable. I'd be more concerned about that. Here's what I tell everybody about Bigfoot, especially with the, the uh, uh, missing 411 things and stuff like that. If Bigfoot is out to get us, he's not very good at it. Yeah. Well, I tell people their main objective in life is to be as elusive as possible. And now not to say that they can't be very hungry, very cranky or territorial um, and or sick and change that MO. But I feel that uh, chomping down on our bones and, and stuff like that is a real quick way to get them discovered, you know, to bring unwanted attention to their territory or to them. So um, especially with technology now, you know. I just, I well, think I, that, go ahead. No, no, my impression is, is they really don't want anything to do with us, but they're too curious to completely leave us alone. I agree with that. I do. Yeah. So it may be, and I, you know, these are all just uh, theories, you know, mm-hmm. nobody knows, but you know, I can give a pretty educated guess based on the time I've spent doing it. Well, I also think that, um, you know, we're trying to study them and they're studying us to better be elusive and stay away from us because we are changing the game on them all the time with different technology and expanding civilization and stuff like that. I mean, we have thermal drones now. And so I think that them studying us is a good is their way of staying elusive as well. Mm-hmm. But, uh, I mean, and then, then again, what's the nature of these creatures? What are they? Now, I remember, and you do too, you said you've been looking into this about 20 years. What was the general consensus back then that these were? They were remnants of Gigantopithecus black, mm-hmm. which is very interesting because that's an Asian ape, which mm-hmm. there's no evidence that it was bipedal. Right. The only time you're going to see a, a rendition of a Gigantopithecus as a biped is if somebody's trying to make it look like a Bigfoot. Otherwise, it's a really big orangutan. Right. So I'm like, okay, so what would have happened to Gigantopithecus down there in South Asia back 30,000 plus years ago that it would leave the area where its food was, hike across the icy north through a land bridge all the way over here where none of its native food or habitat is? Mm-hmm. Not saying it couldn't happen, but what would have had to happen to cause that? Right. So, yeah. I'm, that... what, what do you think they are? You know, it. I feel like every time I have an answer for someone on that, the next interview I do, they bring along some evidence with them that I'm like, well, hell. You know, um, I've, I've always felt they're flesh and blood. They're sentient beings. Um, I don't know what they are. I don't know if they're a relic hominid. I don't know if they're some species of ape that's never been discovered. Um, I do know that they are way too damn intelligent to just be an ape. Not that apes aren't intelligent. They absolutely are. But they're not that level of elusive or intelligent. That. Now, they're too sentient. They're too intelligent. And uh, Well, let's let's throw this in here. Especially a take, take up in British Columbia. There's old accounts 
and not terribly old as far as historically of these creatures, a male sometime abducting a female human, mm-hmm. one of the Native American tribes, and even producing offspring with it, mm-hmm. with her. If those are true, they would have to be closely related to us. Right. Because you can't scientifically, cross, you cannot cross a chimp and a human other than just being gross that just couldn't happen. Right. It's <laughs> gross, know? but a baby would not be <laughs> produced. Yeah. But you can cross a horse and a donkey. They are close enough. Close yeah. Enough. They're still in that same, mm-hmm. you know, close Range. enough for that. Uh, but yeah, I, I just don't, I don't think that they're just an undiscovered day. I don't either. Um, I just, that doesn't feel right in all the encounters I've taken, the interviews I've done, the experiences I've had. They're just too damn intelligent um, and too, I don't want to say civilized. They're absolutely not. But that intelligence is just, it doesn't feel animal, animalistic to me. So that's no, just my uh, opinion. Sometimes it's uh Almost like they're mischievous, mm-hmm. like when they toss rocks into your camp and stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, back in March of uh, uh, 2003, me and my friend Brian Baker had a large rock bounced off a tree at the edge of our camp. I'll say large, I'm talking 25, 30 pound rock was thrown with force and bounced off a tree at the edge of our camp. And uh, it. <laughs> You know, it feels like, well, that was aggression. I'm like, no aggression would have been throwing it on top of us. Yeah, their my, aim is not that bad. <laughs> my impression was that it was letting us know that it was there and it would rather mm-hmm. us leave. Mm-hmm. Of course, we didn't leave, but... Um, yeah. I've had those too, you know, the ones that shake trees and throw trees and, and all of that and uh, push trees over and... Um, there's no reason that they can't push a tree directly onto your tent, but they don't, they throw them in camp. They push them around, around camp. Um, but they, they don't push it over onto your tent and they could easily, and then they get a free meal out of it also, but they don't. Just how as elusive as these creatures are and undoubtedly massively strong and fast, if they were out to get us, I mean, my goodness, they could do it. You probably what you know, people talk about taking a gun along. If they were really want stalking you to get you, you you're gone before you got a chance to pull that gun. Oh, absolutely. And yeah. most of the guns we carry I don't feel like would make that much of an impact on them. I really don't. You know, I I don't underestimate small caliber because mm-hmm. the round is well placed. There is an account of a person being charged this happened in the early nineteen hundreds, uh, being charged by a water buffalo in uh, Africa, all he had on him was a 38 special and he mm-hmm. got the right shot on his head and dropped it right before it got him. Yeah. Now, is it the ideal weapon for something the size of a grizzly bear? No. But, yeah. Um, I've, um, I've heard. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I've heard encounters of people shooting these things and um, from the encounters that I've heard, it didn't really make much of an impact on them right uh no matter the caliber so i just um i've kept that in mind when i'm out there with my little nine millimeter and i'm like you know if it 
holds it off long enough for my kids to get to the car maybe you know it's like one of those situations that you're you can do the best you can with what you got um but i i just uh like we have a very lively chat i'm sorry um yeah, but I'm good. I'm william i got to beat william uh, yeah will will's one of my good friends um yeah. i go camping with him and jason quite a bit um they're relatively new to the topic and they're fresh um i don't want to say passion but they're fresh eyes and and they're fresh ideas yeah they're not jaded they're not you know and i really enjoy uh researching with them and plus those dudes can hike like they will hike and hike and hike and they don't get tired which is it's it's nice um i'm a little bit out of shape right now so it was a little rough but i i always have fun with them they're really good people i'm really glad that i met them um but will was one of the guys that messaged me and asked if i could have you on and then i got another message and another message and uh you're in high demand well so. well, well thank you will i appreciate <laughs> that yeah. yeah he uh he had nothing but great things to say about you okay um what's the closest you've ever been to a bigfoot from alan uh let's see in all the times that i have been doing this i've only caught sight of one one time and it was a couple summers ago and it was across a creek from me i was solo camping i hadn't been there very long and i was unpacking my stuff out of the back of my truck across the creek it was probably about 75 foot away and it was getting close to dark there was still some sunlight coming through the the, the foliage over there and i caught the caught a glimpse of something out of the corner of my eye and i didn't just focus back on it immediately because i was thinking tree stump mm -hmm. that's where i looked back and as soon as my eyes focused on it, it turned and shot off into the woods. And it was a four to five foot tall, grayish black haired uh, biped. Mm -hmm. And it shot off through the woods just like bam. And uh, I couldn't make out facial features. The only thing I could uh, tell is the, the face was very dark, like almost, almost black, you know. But the. And I don't know if the gray that I was thinking I was seeing was from the Shine. sunlight on it, mm -hmm. whatever. There's a grayish black. I've, what I've called it since then is a more a little Morlock. Mm -hmm. And you remember the old time machine mm -hmm. Morlocks? There. And I and I looked up a picture of one of those Morlocks. I'm like, no, it didn't look anything like that. But for some reason, that was that's the, what came to mind. And um, but anyway, as it went off into the woods, did did not make any racket at all. But after it disappeared in there, I started hearing these like guttural vocalizations on each side of where it disappeared in there. And of course, later I'm thinking about it and I'm like, going, well, I wonder if that was a young one. And that one was, that was where maybe it's elders griping at it for being careless and being seen. Mm -hmm. you know? But if, you know, uh, in my mind, real solid, but it was only for a couple of seconds. Yeah, you know, it was gone. So that was that was about it. You know? That's that's not a bad sighting. That's you know, I've not a lot of things with vocalizations, mm -hmm. rock clacks, three knocks, um, eye shine. Some throwing rocks. Uh, yeah, uh, some with eye shine. Um, and it was never red eyes though. No. I've yeah, I haven't ever seen red eyes either. Only, and this is what I've noticed, and this is not to make fun of anybody, but if somebody sends me a 
a report and they're scared to death of Bigfoot and they saw eye shot, it's always red. Yeah, I've, I've noticed that as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. A black bear, not red, but has kind of a pinkish glare. Mm -hmm. uh, so does a rabbit. You know, so yes. you may have to kill a rabbit from Monty Python's uh, search. <laughs> yeah. Watch out for that. Yes. Um, no, the only the eye shines that I've seen have been white, uh, yellow, and orange. Um, yeah. And it had also had to uh, one time. Um, it was the same kind of palish white blue as that orb I saw, but a little bit lighter. Um, and that was when I had my first and only semi sighting and I didn't get to see any details or anything. I just saw the moonlight shining down and I saw the outline of the creature as it was walking away, um, was which big? I'll take. Was you it, what? Big? Was oh, it was big. big. It was big. It was um, standing in front of the deer feeder and on my mom's in my mom's front yard, actually. Um, but it was, you know, a moonlit night and not moonlit enough to where I could see it but I could see the outline and I was leaning forward and I about fell out of my chair into the screen of the porch trying to look as hard as I could. And uh, I was freaking out. My mom was just like, she goes inside, comes back out. She's like, talk yourself out of it yet. And I was like, no. And she's like, okay, good, good. <laughs> she's, she's patiently waiting for me to have a sighting too. She's yeah. talked me back into researching so many times because I've gotten so frustrated over the years, not having a sighting that, you know, I've, crisis of faith and about giving the whole thing up a few times. So you know, uh, I think over here said something about what do I think about? Yeah. Doug Miller says, yeah. what do I think about coon hunters and the many encounters they had with Bigfoot? Yeah. Um, I have received a few reports from people that are, are coon hunting. Had a, like one of the most memorable here was a guy was out and this would have been uh, 10 years ago or so. Not, not too far from Ada actually. And his dogs were out there running. They said all of a sudden they come running back toward him and right past him going towards the truck and shining his light to where they were. He saw these wide set eyes looking back at him. And he said at first impression, this, this you know, first impression, he thought, is that an owl mm -hmm. on the ground there? What's it doing on the ground? And he realized what it was is there was a creek there and a big drop off this thing was standing in the creek and that was just this like head and part of his shoulder mm -hmm. picking up over the top, you know, and it's, yeah. his dogs ran off, you know, and that seems to be a, a pretty general thing with dogs and Sasquatch. They don't like they, each other. For some reason. No, they either stick real close to their human um, or run off or, uh, you know, the, the few dog attacks that I've heard over the years, the dog didn't do that. It didn't shut up and the Bigfoot got mad and silenced the animal. And those are very sad stories, but I mean, you got to think again, their main goal is to be as elusive as possible. And they have a little alarm system over here, giving them away, you know? Yeah. Um, there was a fella that missed this long time ago uh, down in the, not in the curtain, but the uh, floor County. Uh, not too far from home of you actually had been and he didn't see anything but he said there were these weird whistling noises out in the woods around his house and i was like well and he said i don't know he said i've lived in the woods all my life and he said it may not he said it may be a bird this tall but he said i don't know what it is i said and he had a bunch of dogs i said well the dogs go after it. He said no they hide under the porch mm -hmm. 
And he said, these dogs, I've seen them chase bears out of the yard. Yeah. He said, but when this whistling starts out there, they, they crawl onto the porch and they don't make a noise. I'm like, well, that's uh, mm-hmm. suspect, you know. Yeah, that's when you pay attention. Yeah. Yeah, my mom had a little little bitty chihuahua dog and that would it was her little squatch hunter. She would that dog would go with her on every expedition out into the woods looking for evidence, but if that dog started sticking close to her, she started paying attention to her surroundings even more. Um it was kind of like, you know, whenever I've noticed still to this day, this is this is still a thing over the last 20 years a common thing, but um when the woods get quiet. Mm-hmm. Um you start paying attention because the woods around you, you know, there'll be just chaos all through the woods. And then all of a sudden around you, it just gets quiet. And, uh, that's when I start perking my little ears up. Okay. All right. Um, Alan wanted to know what type of equipment do you take when you're out researching? Well, I've got, well, of course I've got a GoPro. That's my main thing is I really, yeah. those are just so handy and take good video. Yes. And I've got a relatively inexpensive, uh, uh, video, not video, nothing video anymore, but a camcorder. Put it that yes. way. Got a relatively <laughs> inexpensive one of those with night vision on it. Mm-hmm. But I've got some extra IR lights for it, and that okay. really enhances that. Yeah. Um, I've got a parabolic microphone that actually, uh, Livewire, Mark, that was in the chat earlier, he actually gave me that. And he had, and it's interesting what he did. It was just one of those uh, uh, basically inexpensive parabolic mics that had the small dish on it. Right. And he had bought, you know what a squirrel baffle is? Mm-hmm. Those big things you put on yeah. your bird feeder? He yeah. got one of them and made the bigger dish out of it with that. And that thing will pick up forever. That's pretty smart. And uh, yeah. we, I, was, I was over, you know, I looked into sightings that were going on around the, uh, his property there. Uh, which was very compelling uh, to say the least. And we were using, he said, here, you can have that. And I'm like, man, that's, that's very nice. <laughs> that has came in so useful to me. And I, I mm-hmm. appreciate that very much. Yeah. Yep. I've seen, I've seen some, um, I've seen top of the line Bigfoot gear that's, thousands and thousands of dollars that like I don't even want to get near it because I'll break it you know and then I have seen I'm gonna call home rigged um Bigfoot systems that are just as effective and the ingenuity behind it is just amazing you know um but I've, I've seen quite a few um Luke Gross he made a um it was a, a waterproof cover for his mic and his whole setup, his audio setup, and he made it out of, uh, I think the he's he's reinvented it over the years, but the first one, I believe, was out of a PVC pipe, and he covered it in bark, and so this thing looks like a branch sitting on the ground, and um, but it had all of his stuff in it, and it was waterproof, and I've seen so many different variations of stuff like that over the years that is just ingenious. Also terrifying if you are like me and you have to squat in the woods to pee, and I don't know who's hidden game camera or whatever's around, and I'm no. probably peeing on somebody's yeah. microphone. <laughs> you... <laughs> yeah. Uh... I do pay attention to that. I, we, I was camping. Uh, well, this would have been last uh, summer on one of the days it wasn't 110 degrees. But I was out walking around from camp and 
just looked up and was like, man, there's a game camera looking right at me. You know, so yeah. well, the woods aren't you, even that private anymore. They're yet. really not. Um, at this point, you know, um, I'll come back from, you know, taking my morning uh, walk in the woods after coffee and uh, someone will be like, oh, hope the game cam didn't get you. And I said, well, if I if I did, those poor people, like, I feel bad for them, you know, don't put it next to a place that's perfect for potty time. Um, but I told you before we started the show um that i was over in beach creek area in oklahoma and um saw a triple game cam set up with a gift bag of apples hung really high for the bigfoot mm -hmm. and uh i know it was a gifting station and so i um we didn't notice it on our way in which is my power you know my observation skills obviously suck no wonder i haven't seen bigfoot but we didn't notice it on the way in but we noticed it on the way out because we about walked into it and um so i jump in front of the game camera and held up my business card you know night colors and then stuck it behind the tree strap and did a thumbs up into the camera and then i told you a few weeks later i get a message from joe pass and he's like hey so uh i caught you on my game cam and i'm like what are the odds and i was like can you can you send me some stills from that or like, yeah, that's that's so funny he was really I, I nice met, about it i met him down at the jefferson conference mm -hmm in October. Real, real nice guy. He's a big guy. Is he? I've never met him. I've, yeah, he's really yeah. tall. Uh, or if I have, I don't remember. <laughs> I've met a lot of people over the years. A lot of people. All right. Um, tell me about your books. Okay. Well, I've got two. The first one I wrote is called The Shampoo. And it is, you see it, this one right here. And it's a fictional story it's got enough truth in it. I could have probably put based on a true story, but stuff mm -hmm. about the main monster is not true. Uh, but it's based on a monster in Choctaw folklore. So I took that and I set the story in the mountains of Southeast Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. so, uh, anyway, um, and then the one that's actual research based is this one called Kayamishi Bigfoot. Awesome. And this one is, um, uh, there's a chapter in it about in-depth working with the travel channel there's uh, uh chapters about some of the areas that i've gone into live wire there's a that's in in chat there there's a good chapter uh in there about uh, what was going on around his place uh and, and all of that and there and then there's a chapter on uh it's reports that people have sent me that gave me permission to uh uh, you know, put that in there. So if you want to know a little bit about what I've done on this subject, uh, that goes pretty in depth. On. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, I, you know, the fictional works, um, I, I don't think people give those enough credit um, as they should. I've, I've read and read and I've read and mm -hmm. I've read a few uh, fictional Bigfoot works here lately and they, they're, they're just good. I mean, if you think about it, you go, you read fictional stories about your favorite topics all the time. Um, not every Bigfoot book has to be scientific, you know, just like, and you have one of those and that's great. And then you also have your work of fiction that's interesting and just downtime. And I think those works like yours, it's perfect downtime for the Bigfoot researcher that just wants to drink coffee and read about, you know, Bigfoot eating somebody. Fine. Well, it's in its the story goes more in depth. Like there's the the Bigfoot that's bad. There's something that made him that way. Okay, so, even know, better. 
choices it made or whatever, but there is reports that are shared in, in the fictional book that are, are true. And there's, um, anyway, there's historic, because when the guy that's, that is investigating mm -hmm. these disappearances and stuff, he's reminiscing about some old historical accounts where somebody has been attacked or showed up missing, which brings up something else. I, like I said earlier, Bigfoot's out to get us. He's not very good at it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Look at the accounts where, and I'm going to say accounts that I think are probably credible, where a Bigfoot has shown some kind of aggression were generally preceded by somebody shooting at or shooting. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not aggression. There's a difference in defensiveness and aggression. 100%. Now, if you shot at me or one of my family members, mm -hmm. especially if you get one of them, uh, that's not going to be a good time. No. And I, I would say these would be the, the same type of deal. Like, yeah, if you're mm -hmm. out there uh, with your buddies and shoot one of these things and yeah, what do you expect to have? Mm -hmm. Or you go after its food source. That's the only other time I've heard of one being aggressive is the um, Something podcast. Uh, the two guys that started that podcast actually started it because they had an experience in deer camp where they had shot a gear, a gear, a deer. My God, I need to go to bed. And um, this Bigfoot <laughs> came into camp later and trashed their camp, raised hell, beat on the side of their camper, shook the camper, left the deer in the gut pile there, didn't touch it, but raised hell because it, they believe that it was stalking that same deer. That may be. And <clears throat> we are encroaching ever more and more into the wild areas. Mm -hmm. You know, Oklahoma, my goodness, it's so many people moving here from out of state now there and are. moving into these wild areas. I mean, have yeah. you been to Hotchatown lately? Oh my Lord. I don't it's, go there anymore. I don't go anywhere near there. Anywhere because near there. If you go to Hotchatown, you'll be the only Oklahoman there. Yes, it is tourist. It's, it's like, uh, it's, yeah. you know, I mean, it's, I guess it's good if you're making money there, but I yeah. grew up running around in those mountains down there mm -hmm. and being so oh, and now you got to pay money even to go visit the lake. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, uh, the, I don't go there anymore. One of my favorite campsites uh, in a certain area that I go to used to you go down that road. There were like maybe four cabins along that road, hunting cabins. Like people didn't actually live out there; it's just a hunting cabin. And now there's home sites all along that road and side by sides running up and down it all day long. And I'm like. This right. did not used to be a thing, and it is loud out there now. So, um, yeah, we are encroaching on their area, and they, I, I just wonder if they're going to get more aggressive because they are running out of room. I mean, we have tons of woods in the United States. We have a lot of nature, and um, but also first, more people are hiking. And Personally, I think they'll just go somewhere else. Yeah. Because they have, they have to be nomadic. I mean, mm -hmm. any... Anything that stays in one concentrated area very long is going to leave loads of evidence. Yeah. But what, what, and I'm sure you've observed this too. If you have a place where there's a hot spot of sightings, just like everybody's seen it there, it doesn't take long before nobody's seeing anything there anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, I agree. Like, like where the casino footage was taking place. One mm -hmm. thing 
there's wooded area there with a lot of springs and stuff. Plus you've got, you know, the uh, North Canadian river close there too. But in that condensed area, I think it's just somewhere that uh, every once in a while, a group of them will come through there, maybe kill a few deer or whatever food source and then move on. Right. And I, you know, I think that's uh, now the Kamishi mountains, which I use that term generically for all the mountains. I do too. Yeah. You know, if you want to, I mean, what you got, you got the Kamishi, the Washita's, you got the Jack, you got all these and, and whatnot. But uh, I usually just say LaFleur County and the surrounding areas. And that seems to encompass pretty much everywhere that you're going to be. Yeah. South down Pushmataha County, Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Um, they they still got plenty of wild places they can go to out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. I had, I could talk to you all night. You're fascinating. Um, you're full of knowledge and, and I very much hope you can make the night callers camp out so that I can pick your brain more. Um, people have told me I'm full of it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, <laughs> so I wanted to ask over the years, how has your, your um has your way of thinking in your research changed for me you know it used to be um going to different areas on expeditions different states and i still do that to go visit different outings and stuff but um mine has changed in that i believe going to one or a few areas consistently is going to get me more success um how's how has yours changed over the years or has it uh a lot like what you're just saying there. Um, I Now, when I was younger, um, I would go out, beat on trees, you know, mm-hmm. actively hunt. But what are most of the Bigfoot sightings are by people going about their business, whether it's camping, fishing, just driving down the road, and they happen to see it. So mm-hmm. mainly my outings generally consist of this, is a recon out the area, look for evidence, and then go back to camp, light a fire, cook, and just listen. And hang out. Yeah. Hang out. Same here. It seems like I've had better luck that way of some potential Sasquatch interacting just Absolutely. doing that. Um, like when uh, Will from Will Star Mysteries came down uh, last October. Man, we were sitting there, okay, no fire because burn ban. Yeah. Very bright night. So we're sitting there by the fire pit, which has nothing in it. And uh, with our backs to this side, we're, we're facing this uh, these creek bottoms that go over mm-hmm. this bridge and down there listening to that. And behind us in the woods, something let out this wicked sounding roar, basically. Like, And, I mean, you could feel it. You know, mm-hmm. wow. And we both stood up and Will's like, that wasn't an owl. I was, I was like, no, that, that was not. <laughs> and, <anyway. laughs> and the thing is behind us and not long after that, we heard something on the other side there, displace some rocks as it went mm-hmm. over the ridge. And I'm like, well, so knowing we should probably just sit there instead, we get our stuff and we start off into the woods. So whatever it was goes away. Yeah. We get back to camp, and by chance, I still had my uh, my little inexpensive camera on, and uh, 
It had night vision. You can't, you know, night vision doesn't penetrate into the deep woods. Yeah. But something tossed a rock into our camp, and my camera actually captures the sound of that hitting. And when it did, my first thing is, did you do that? And Will, you can you can watch the video. Yeah. Will, no, bro. No, I'm right here. <laughs> and, I, and I look over at him, and he's got my parabolic microphone in one hand and his phone with the camera on it in the other, and he's just wide-eyed, you know. And then he yeah. starts I said, really, you get to go, no, why do they do that? <laughs> you know, and he just, <laughs> why, do they, why do they do that? I was like, man, I don't know. But from, yeah. where, uh, from where the rock came from and where the vocalization behind us and then the displacement of the rocks below us, uh, we was kind of figuring there were at least two of them around our camp. And where the rock was thrown from is I've got a video titled, There's Something Out There. Mm -hmm. I was solo camping at that exact spot, and I caught in the light something dark crouched down behind this big, big boulder outside of camp in the woods. And on the video, I was like, well, I think I'm not going to go up there by myself. Good you call. know, and I did it, but that's where this rock was tossed from. Okay. was over there. Um, Those are the moments that keep us going. It is, and it wasn't. <laughs> it was not thrown at us. It was deliberately just lightly, like tossed right at the edge of our camp. There, they were either messing with you or distracting you, while the other one crossed. Well, it may be so, but I mean, uh, it made I think uh, Will felt like it was worth the trip. You know, mm -hmm. flying on there and stuff. You know, yep. so. Um, but most of the times that I go out, it's just a fun camp trip. You know? That's that's to me. I get to go out in nature and hike and yeah. see these beautiful areas and get my nature time in. And uh, if I happen to have some Bigfoot activity, it's a perk. You know, if, if I don't, well, it sucks. But hey, well, I got last, to go. Last summer I went down there and nothing was going on. And I, I went down with my GoPro and I uh, took some good video of uh, the cottonmouths down in the creek, you know, and I got, I've got one. I did a short of it. Uh, there was one under a rock, pretty good size one. And I've got it striking at my GoPro and I put mm -hmm. it in slow motion and you can see its fangs extend and go by. And I'm like, That's hey, pretty awesome. of course I left it alone. I, I love snakes. Yeah. Uh, but uh, that that's what, I, there's no Bigfoot stuff going around. I hike, I fish, I take pictures of wildlife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, to me, that's, that's, that's the best part of going out and looking for this thing. And, you know, just though, and like I said before, those little adrenaline pumping moments that keep you going, that keep you addicted to this. Um, yeah. We're all I, adrenaline junkies. I, I go off in the woods, whether that or not. And, you yeah. know, when I first started doing the solo camp thing was totally by accident here oh, a few years ago, not very long ago. Uh, me and my friend Brian Baker were supposed to go down there, and something came up last week. I was like, "Man, I can't." And I'm like, "Well, I've already got. A, I'm just going to go." Mm -hmm. And I ended up having a blast. You know, it's you know, awesome. You, never, you know, you never know how you're going to act out there by yourself when it gets yeah. really dark. Because daytime, yeah. like, this ain't scary. And then yeah. it gets black night out there, and you're like, "We really are alone out here," you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I, my first solo, it, you can listen to it on my podcast at any time, but my first solo did not go well. Humans, 
up to no good ruined it for me and scared the hell out of me and so it took me a very long time to ever do that again and uh but before that happened i remember laying in my in my hammock and i had made dinner and just laid there and i was just thinking man this is so addictive i could do this every weekend this is amazing oh my gosh like it was amazing and then you know humans ruined it because they do that um, um but, you know my what do you mind what are you yeah gets up in your face the most honest answer anybody can give right there is nobody knows nobody knows nobody and what i mean is and that would obviously be a very stressful situation i mean would it be fight or flight would you shoot at it would you want nobody knows exactly how you're going to act in a situation like that mm -hmm. i hope that i would keep my wits about me to the point where i thought to take a picture or something you know it's all but we I, can I, hope i really don't see that ever happening i mean one actually coming up and getting in your face um i don't know that would be a an extremely rare occurrence i would say that would be i would probably mess my pants i'm gonna be also uh, honest i, I mean like <laughs> when uh cornell was down here he had something come up and stood right beside his tent in the night it woke me up me and my son were there and he was yelling dave there's something outside the tent something outside the tent of course i, I come out and it's gone and my first thought was it was a bear mm -hmm. but here's the thing we had been hearing things earlier that night before we turned in we had left our food out we cooked steaks out nothing touched the food if it was yeah. a bear it would not have stopped at the tent no. it would not have for that so and out to Cornell's not on here, but I I have to share this all the time. He goes, like, he just, I'm not getting back in the tent. I said, well, where are you going to sleep? He said, I'll sleep in the back seat of your truck. I said, it's full of stuff. He goes, I don't care. I'll sleep in the front seat. I said, okay. <laughs> so uh, uh, I went back to bed. Me and my son did. And I, I'm always up early. I get up and I get outside the tent. I'm looking. And you can see in the front seat. Cornell's setting up and the sleeping bag's over his head and it was blithering cold. And I thought, well, he got cold. And I went over and I just tapped on the window and he uncovered his head. I said, why'd you get cold? He goes, no. He said, uh, you and Elijah went back to your tent and got in bed. And I was looking at all these windows and thinking, my God, what if it comes up and looks in at me? <laughs> you know? I've seen me do it. <laughs> he up and he slept like that. You know, like, well, that's all right you know you know you feel vulnerable out in the woods at night and uh because you are yeah and you think you feel safer in a car and uh no not always i had um i had gone out with two friends of mine and kendall was sitting in the back seat and we had all got the hinky feeling at the same time and decided to go ahead and get in the truck and listen and these are two dudes you know and we get in there and Kendall's like, man, what if a hand just came through the window and grabbed you right now, Lauren? And I'm like, why would you say that? Like, why? And so instantly I'm just leaned over the console, like trying to get away from the window. And it just, it's, when it's that dark outside, especially, you just, you don't know what could be creeping up on you. And especially because these things belly crawl. And that's what gets me when I get when I turn into a sissy is when I think about these things belly crawling up on me. I get freaked out. I do. I'll admit it. The uh, sighting I was talking about, the face-to-face -face sighting with the two off-duty uh, police officers, that's what it had, <clears throat> excuse me, saying, that's what it had been doing. Mm -hmm. 
real quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, where they were camped was at the bottom of this uh, straight up ridge and it dipped down into this kind of pocket and then came up into a swell, probably uh, mound about oh, eight or 10 foot tall, maybe. But they were hearing something on the other side of that from their camp. They thought it was an armadillo in the leaves. So they were going to shoot the armadillo and they walked around the edge of the, I'm, I'm calling it a berm for like mm -hmm. word. And when they got across, this thing was on its belly on the other side of it. it. What they were hearing was this thing scooting up so it could look over at them. Oh. And when they come around the, around the edge of it, it stood up right in their face. And uh, I asked uh, Dan, I said, what did you do? And I'm not going to use his exact language, but he basically <laughs> said, screamed like a girl and ran. And uh, the other guy that was with him, his name was Jeff, he froze in his tracks. Dan said he had to grab him by the back of the collar and give him a good jerk. They oh, left all their equipment down there, abandoned everything. Uh, and Dan said they actually sent a friend of theirs back the next day for the stuff. And like I say, when they got in contact with me through the website I had at the time, and I drove up there and, and met with him at, a, at his home and then he he led me to that area and he did not the other guy jeff he wouldn't even come back yeah uh, when we did bigfoot bill he was the guy acting scared mm -hmm. vision on that that wasn't an act that was the first time he had been back down there uh, since then now dan by that time the first time i was went down there he left before it got dark he didn't want to be down there and i guess since i didn't get eaten staying down there you know he thought well it'll be all right so he we actually went back into that area several times. The last time I was actually there was when we uh, uh, shot that scene uh, for Bigfoot. Yeah. Um, you know, the friend that went back to get their gear, that's a good friend. That's a good friend. <laughs> or yeah, he just didn't believe they saw what they saw. We tell a lot of stories about my times going up to that area, but that would take a long time. Yeah. But, but one, one time, we were there and he brought some friends of his that were law enforcement also. And mm -hmm. I remember one of them had an AR-15 with him. And I'm like, I've got this thing about being in the woods with armed people I don't know. You know, I knew knew Dan and, and I was, you know, I was a reserve police officer here in Ada for 13 years. But at that time, I hadn't done anything like that. And I remember it's the guy that was had the uh, semi-automatic rifle. I said, I'm taking for granted that you're a highly trained individual. It's not going to accidentally shoot me. He goes, oh, no, yes. nothing to worry about. Yeah. And he was, to his credit, we went walking through the woods at night, and uh, there was a little clearing there. I was walking through it. I don't know if you've ever heard a baby deer scream. Yes. Okay. He stepped on a little newborn fawn, and it let out this scream. And he didn't shoot or anything, but he literally, it looked like he just kind of melted into the ground. Oh, yeah. that poor man. <laughs> I uh, <laughs> laughed so hard, I about threw up. I mean, I, it was so funny just the way, and I said, well, I said, you didn't start shooting. <laughs> I feel so bad for him, but it's so oh, funny. It, it, it just looked like he just lost all of his muscle control. He just kind of almost collapsed, you know? <laughs> Oh my goodness! I can picture and of course, it. I am. I am. I had a flashlight. You know, too. Is is yeah. not. But I immediately saw the deer when it screamed. But he he was right on top of it. Yeah. Know? 
Yeah, but. the most uh, like uh, frightened I've been have has always been by the most non-threatening forced animals, <laughs> and uh, except for hogs. Like I've I've come up on a group of hogs before and been terrified, but um, just uh, I've jumped a deer quite a few times and mm -hmm. like older deer and just your heart will jump out of your chest or jump, you know, jumping a flock of birds. I've done that before and scared the ever living. My heart just stops and I'm, I don't know what's got me. Um, but yeah, my little brother, he stepped on a baby deer whenever we were picking blueberries one time and it was the same thing. I let out this just ear shattering. Story. Yeah. So did, so did my brother actually. Oh, and um, yeah. <laughs> he was young and he just, uh, he also almost stepped on a rattlesnake. Uh, he doesn't hunt blueberries anymore, actually. Well, that, when I'm out, and I, like I say, I do a lot of these camps by myself and stuff. And um, and I've, I've heard you say you do some solo camping, too. It's, yeah. it's a whole different thing. You just have to be so much more alert of everything because you're your own rescue if you get snake bit or something. Absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I, I cheated. I had my dog with me. So, you know, oh. um, I had a little alarm system with me and, and thank God I did for the night that I had all the shenanigans go down near my camp because uh, I, I just, uh, that was absolutely terrifying. But um, my dog, he wouldn't, he alerts silently for um, humans or anything like that. But, you know, he, oh, tornado warning here. I was about to ask. I know what that sound is. We were supposed to get that tonight. I guess it yeah. went south and got you guys instead. Cause I don't. You have know anything. any of you guys in chat that's not from Oklahoma? What tornado warnings mean for us here as we go outside and look? Yes. <laughs> so when I was little, I thought tornado warning meant warning there might be a tornado, and tornado watch was go outside and look for the tornado. And then when I got, well, it wasn't until I got older that I realized that was backwards, and that a warning means you should. Normal people should probably get ready to take shelter. Us, we open the door and look outside and maybe drive around. Yeah. You know, one of the weirdest, and this is not weird in a Bigfoot kind of way, but who was I with? I was camped down and way back in the time issues. And and I believe I believe Cornell was with me at that time and looked up outside of camp. And here's this elderly couple in the middle of nowhere, walking down this trail with a little poodle. And I'm like, what are you guys doing here? You know, <laughs> and they had parked uh, way off and had hiked in there said, well, we're from the city and we just, you know, found this road and thought we we're gonna come back here and hike. And I said, well, just so you know, there's things that will eat that poodle out here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things, you know. I mean, you you weren't lying. And they were totally not dressed. They were like wearing shorts and sandals and just oh everything Lord. you would never wear in an area. Like, like what are y'all doing out here? <laughs> just... I did see them after that on the way back, so something might have got them. I don't know. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I mean... Yeah, like I can't, I just, you know, the, some of the people I see out there, um, especially the people in the side-by-sides that I see riding trails, and I'm just like, what are you going to do if, you're, if your side-by-side -side breaks down or you get a flat? Because you, you ain't dressed for out here, you know, and that's judgy of me, I'm sure, but just, 
I don't know. Um, all right. So last question, where do you have any upcoming appearances or conferences or anything that you're planning to attend besides the night colors camp out? Just kidding. Oh, no. I will. I am going to try to come to this. Okay. Not very far. What is that on like a Friday and Saturday or? Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think we'll be staying probably Thursday through Sunday because um, it's spring break for my kids. So we all go just spend the week there and smell like a bunch of Bigfoot by the time we leave. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's... Now, what part of that place? Do you camp there in the public areas or go deeper in? or? Uh, right when you go in uh, McGee Creek, the WMA, the, um, God, the big hunter's campground there. It's like a big campground. There's, you know, gravel spaces and stuff. And then farther back are the tent spaces. There's running water and some latrine toilets. There's, but there's no bathrooms, really. There's no showers, anything like that. There's no ele electric hookup and there's no cell service. So uh, when you come out there, just be prepared that you're out there to soak up some nature, which I know you're used to, but I'm talking uh, to all the others. Um, we had our first one last year for this particular camp out it was so much fun everybody had a blast you go hike off during the day and find all the beautiful places around mcgee and it's it's a lot of fun and get to meet some amazing people so yeah yeah that I'm, i'll try you know but as far as your other question i don't have anything planned they have okay. me down i'm supposed to talk at honubby again next year okay. um uh, but other than that just my normal of going off into the woods, you know. Yeah, well, that works. I'm sure you're. I'm sure you'll. Uh, you'll get booked for some more stuff. It seems well, like. Well, Troy uh, Hudson, you know, that gathers people together for that. He had actually talked to me about doing it the year before, and I just kind of blown it off. I'd never even considered it. And then uh, I don't know. If, do you know Evans Bailey? Mm-hmm. I do. Okay. Apparently, his like the librarian here here in ada is one of his kin folks and okay. and he was she invited him to come down and and talk and he was uh nice enough to invite me to bring my book of course then i only have one book yeah uh, bring it there and talk a little bit and i said yeah sure it's across the street from my music shop so mm -hmm. and uh i actually enjoyed it and then i after that i was told troy like yeah you know i think i will if you really yeah. want yeah and it well, was that's awesome. You know, got to hang out with some nice folks. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, Shelly Covington, Montana, she was fascinating. Yeah. Uh, very nice. Uh, Pete Buffalohead, you know, uh, he was our other roommate, him and his wife. And there was a friend of uh, Shelly's that stayed with her. Uh, and her name was Henry. And I love was, Henry. Oh, you know Henry then? Henry Edge. She is and I was, one of... I had never met her before, and I got lost trying to find this cabin because I drove up there in the dark. Yeah. And I just got this road, and I thought, well, there's somebody. I'm just going to follow that truck just on the off chance it goes there. And uh, when we got this area, and we're in the middle of nowhere, I pull up beside it, and I see it's a woman. I'm like, okay, either this is where I'm supposed to be, or this is going to look really weird. <laughs> she goes, you're right where you're supposed to be, David Wilbanks. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I love Henry. She is one of my favorite people on the whole planet. You are very lucky, though, that you caught her going to the destination that she was supposed to go to because Henry is known for showing up when and where she wants to. She could, We could plan a camp out for Friday. She'll get there Sunday morning, 
after stopping along the way because she found a spot she wanted to camp over here and then she'll show up so that worked out that was that's, that's the only time that's the only time i've ever uh, been around her at all she's, she's very awesome. nice too but ever i mean it's a big it's a cabin it's a house basically there by the show but it was mm -hmm. each person had their own wing and room yeah. and all that stuff so it was very nice so mm -hmm. well that's awesome well david thank you so much for coming on tonight uh well worth the wait i will say and yeah, i very fun. much yeah i very much hope you get to come to the night callers camp out or at least visit the bigfoot symposium the weekend before in stillwell um i i know a lot of your fans will be there so um it's come by and symposium the oklahoma bigfoot symposium in stillwell and i can send you directions to the to the the actual mm -hmm. event and everything What's but the date on that that's the weekend before so i think it's the 10th 10th of March. Mm -hmm. It's that weekend before. Yeah. So it's, it's always a good time. They always have good speakers. They have amazing food. Um, DW's wife makes the best food in the whole world. Um, that's where I met Pyromedic and a ton of other people. One of my very good friends, Dennis, I met him there. So, uh, good people around there. There's going to be a bonfire afterwards. And, um, I think they do a night hike and all kinds of stuff. So definitely, you know, try to make one of those events so I can meet you. You know. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, Pyro, he helped me out at the home He carried my books in and all that. Awesome. He's nice he's guy. a really great guy. Really great William, guy. All right. Thanks to William for yep. pointing me this direction. For pointing and Claude. Yep. Together. And Claude also gave you a shout out and uh, quite a few others. So, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much. Absolutely. And uh, you be safe getting home, okay? All right. All right. Good night. Good night. Thank you everyone for sticking with us tonight. And uh, I really enjoyed this chat with David. He is full of knowledge and I just, yeah, he's one of those good Oklahomans that I would like to camp with. Um, that's what I kept thinking the whole time is I just want to go research with this guy. Um, so hopefully I get to do that. Uh, as I said, we have the Night Callers camp out March 17th through the 20th. I hope that some of you can make it come hang out with the Night Callers crew. If not, there's always next year. Um, so we have the Oklahoma Bigfoot Symposium March 10th. The following weekend is the Night Callers camp out. The following weekend after that is the Falk Monster camp out in Falk, Arkansas, put on by Keith Crabtree and Squatch Dogs. So you guys have a whole buffet of Bigfoot events to go to in March. We're calling March Bigfoot Month, um, me and my people. So I hope you guys get to go to one of those events and I hope you guys enjoyed this show. So stay safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time.